always have to wait. Uh, W.C. Fields said, you never work with kids or pets. And uh, whenever any child, even if it's my granddaughters, are doing anything, I know you can't compete with that. So you just kind of wait. Isn't that right, Janice? And the other day, I tried to do a video with Les's little dog. Some of you saw that. She wasn't having any of it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And you could, oh, dear God. This coming Tuesday on uh, Saints Radio, I've asked uh, the Sparrows to join with me. And they're... There are some good testimonies and some things that they're going to be talking about, so um, don't, don't miss that. And I'm so grateful for the testimony that Nancy gave about her dad. That's, that's a blessing. And there's been so much emphasis today on miracles. Um, you all lay claim to that. You know, I've been praying with um, someone in our saints' family concerning a miracle that's needing to happen in their family. And um, you know, I was reminded while I was praying the other day of how many, how many ways God has worked miracles, particularly in the life of, of little ones. Um, I, I remembered God delivering me when I was, before I was born. And uh, of course, I guess all of us are delivered in, in the natural sense. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, I've given that testimony. I remember one time there were some people that were visiting the church many, many years ago. They were visiting, and they had brought their little teeny baby. I mean, this baby was just several weeks old to the hospital here in Dallas because the baby had a, a congenital hole in its heart. And I remember praying for the baby, and um, two days later, the, the people called from the hospital and said that the doctors were amazed and they uh, they couldn't find any trace of that of that hole and pronounced the baby completely well and they assured me that the, the tests that they had had done in their hometown were accurate there wasn't any flaw in it because it was from a smaller um, because it was from a smaller city and they went on their way I haven't seen them since uh, but we rejoice in that. And I, I just was remembering a number of ways that God has worked in that way. And I, I'm believing there's been an emphasis today on the miraculous. And we already had a testimony of something marvelous that God did. You lay claim to the things you're believing God for and hold on to them. And we're entering into a season it's a season, we've been talking about transition for like over a year now. We're entering into a season where that transition is really taking the shape of promotion. And we need to, um, we need to recognize that God is very serious about what he has given us in the past and how we have utilized that as intercessors and as those who bring forth uh, pneumaticos understandings. Uh, really, why does that happen? Uh, we, I think, I think that 
it's kind of like a formula in God. It's, it's a principle in God that when you're partnering with him, he allows you to share his secrets that he, that he is designed for you to partner with him in. And then as you do that, then you come away with understandings that are shown powerfully in the scripture. And so we used to say that um, when we pray in unknown tongues, we speak mysteries and we interpret. That's the word from which uh, hermeneutics comes from. And that's how preachers and teachers are trained in seminary or in, in places of biblical study to, to study and bring forth a word. We used to say that that's why God was giving us so many understandings from the scripture. And that is true to a degree. But the larger picture is that those unknown tongues and those diversities of tongues are gifts that God gives to be um, used within that partnership with him. And we are, we are very much blessed in that way. And I'm, I'm angling toward the sermon today. It's found, we're going to be looking at a few passages of Scripture, but you may want to turn to John 16. Uh, we're going to be looking at verse 23 through, 30, 20, 23 through 27. But over the past couple of days, God has been impressing upon me the many things, the many teachings that he's given us concerning intercession and what it means to partner with God. And he, he has been telling me to begin to put them together uh, in a, uh, a synergy of, um, of the same thought. And it's amazing how God, over the years, has just laid out the various facets of partnering with him as sons and as intercessors. And I think that as we probably at seminar, a couple of sessions are going to be devoted to this, as we look at the flow pattern of what God has given us from his word, deeper understandings of various aspects of prayer and what our prayers are and how we utilize it, when we look at it in the full spectrum of what he has revealed, there are going to be new things that he shows us from that synergy, from that understanding. And then, in addition, he's going to take us into new places in his word that we've never seen before. So this is a very exciting process, and it's, it's really a meditation process which the Scripture talks about. You know, David loved to meditate on things of the Lord, and when he did, God would reveal tremendous things. So we're in that mode right now, and the reason we're in that mode is that God is saying what we have been privileged to partner with him in foundational understandings God is going to build off that in phenomenal ways in the days that are coming. And sometimes people say, well, why didn't we see this from the beginning? Why didn't we, why didn't we see this aspect from the beginning? It would have been so much helpful, more helpful. In no strata of your educational process does, does it work that way. You know? When you're studying a lot of things and you're painstakingly learning things in school, when you get into a real-world application of them, you know, you know, you kind of wish you could go back. You know, I think, gosh, if I had known, I'd have paid attention a whole lot more, or I'd have committed things to long-term memory, not just short-term memory, so I can make good grades. 
You know, it'd be great if I could go back knowing what I know now. We think that all the time. But what I do see in retrospect is that God has been preparing us for these times. And we're going to look at an aspect of prayer that is very powerful in this beautiful red section of, of the Gospel of John. And we're going to see something about what we talked about on June 20th in regard to asking the Father in that term, Iteo. That, that message is available for you from June 22nd. The outlines are up here. But we looked at that, and now God is, after several weeks, building on it further. And let us read um, John 16, beginning at verse 23. In that day you will ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time comes when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I will show you plainly of the Father. At that day you shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came out from God. Now there are two different words that Jesus uses here to describe prayer. And it's very important that we understand what these are because it clarifies what this means. It clarifies what he's saying. The one word that we're supposed to be praying is that word, iteo. And you know that, that word is used 70 times in the New Testament. 70 times. That should speak something to you right there because 70 is, is used in a number of ways in the Scripture, and it always has to do with the, a, a greater group of people that God sends out. You know, you have the 12, which is a governmental structure. But Jesus anointed the 70, Moses had the 70, and it's just the way God is wanting to divest his authority throughout the land. So this is used 70 times, but it is never used by Jesus to describe how he prayed. Usually when Jesus prayed, it is this other word, and it is the word erotio. And now, what we think about these two words is very important. Stick with me. I'm not going to labor a lot of different things here, but you need to understand this. Iteo, the first word we talked about, is when you are in a chain of command and you are asking a superior for something, or you are laying claim to a provision in the structure of command for something you need to fulfill a thing. Eroteo is more one by one. It's people on a similar social level or seeming social level. And this word was used a lot of times in the New Testament when the disciples would be talking to Jesus about things. Or people who were um, like uh, a ruler asked Jesus to come to his house. And it used the word ereteo, which meant, you know, I'm speaking to someone in authority from a position of authority. It's kind of interesting, too, that in Luke 14, when you have the, the parable of the 
the three different groups of people who were asked to come to the supper, and all of them said, we, we aren't coming. The first guy used Ereteo to talk about the fact that he had just bought land and he needs to go see it. I don't know what kind of real estate guy that guy was. Who buys land if you don't see it, you know, first? That's just not, that's just not a good practice. And so it was obviously this guy thought he was equal with Jesus and he was, or equal with the king, which is the Lord, and he was just full of himself. The second guy comes and he says, you know, I just bought an oxen and I've got to go see if this oxen is really what it should be. And he uses the word ereteo, I'm asking. In other words, saying that I'm on an equal footing with you, leader, and I really don't want to come to your meal. I'm just making excuses because I think that I'm equal to you. Now, the third guy, he, he doesn't use any asking at all. He says, I just got married, and I can't come. And it's funny. It's really funny to me because if you look at the word that he uses to say, I cannot come, if you transliterate it, it's O-U-C-H. It's true. Look it up for yourself. Not while I'm preaching, but look it up for yourself. And basically he's saying, you know what? If I come to this thing, I'm going to have hell at home. You know, it's going to be O-U-C-H, so I ain't coming. And we've talked about that parable, but it's interesting that the two guys who, who just really didn't want to come and were making excuses, they, uh, they thought they were equal in Ereteo. And so you come to this passage here, and Jesus is saying to the disciples, all right, I am, um, I am I'm going to pray the Father, Ereteo, for you. At that, no, I'm, I'm going to read these different words. In that day you will Ereteo mean nothing. Verily I say unto you that whatever you shall Iteo, the Father, in my name he will give it you. Hitherto you have Iteo nothing in my name, so Iteo and you will receive that your joy may be full. In verse 26, at that day you, at that day you shall Iteo in my name, and I say not unto you that I will Iteo the Father for you, because the Father loves you, because you've loved me. And um, I... Um, I, I just think this is interesting. What was Jesus saying to us? It's the same thing that we can all say to one another today. We are called to enter into this position of being able to ask God for the things that in our service for him, he commissions us with the authority to ask for. That is Iteo. And if you see the words petition in the New Testament, that word is a derivative of Iteo. And it really entails that if you've been asking the Father on behalf of the mission that he's given you for things, you need to remember the things that you ask for and you need to keep them close. And you should be going before the Father not begging him for those things, but rejoicing that your petitions are heard and that those things will be 
granted because they have been inspired by God. Now, to me, I think that when we are praying in supplication, deasis, just from the New Testament, we're not going to go in the Old Testament today, and God gives you a prosuke, that is part of a prophetic insight for what we're to be having our perspective and how we're to be asking. And from that, then, the Spirit will say, okay, you lay claim to this. You go before the Father and you ask. I tell you, you ask this. And you ask this. And you remember what you asked for. Let that be your proclamation because it is born of me. But it's all in that chain of command. And it's, uh, it's something that's, that's very, very powerful. And we need to recognize that this is the way God is. Now, and Jesus continues to talk here in, in this red chapter, and he says in John 17, if you just turn the page over, this is a very helpful thing for us um, in the world we're in today. Verse 9, um, Jesus says that I, um, I do not pray for the world. Huh. Isn't that something? I pray not for the world. I am not eratioing for the world, but for them which you have given me, they are thine. Isn't that something? Verse 15, I pray not that you should take them, us, out of the world. This is the way he's talking to his father, that eratio. Of course, he is one, so it, it just makes even more sense to think he is speaking in harmony together with the Almighty in this Trinity equation. I pray not that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil. And then verse 20, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. And that would be us. We're the ones that are coming based upon the word that these ones invested. And today, there are a lot of people who are in church who should know better, who want to abandon the concept of intercession. They want to abandon this sonship uh, diagram that we see so clearly in the word. They want to abandon this this thing where we're praying before the Father, and they say, well, you know what? We need more than thoughts and prayers. And they think that we should go out in the world and abandon what it is that God, in the, through the Lord Jesus and throughout the plethora of, of Scripture, we should abandon that and just become social agents so that we can show ourselves and Jesus says here, I am not, if you think I'm up with the Father praying for the world, forget it. He says it right here. Here it is. And uh, no matter how many times people slice and dice and deconstruct the scripture, this passage is pretty clear in all of them. And doesn't mean that he's already given himself for the world. He loved the world. But he has given us the authority to be asking the Father, I tell, and then to remember those petitions, and then to be able to keep laying claim to those things that we know. Now, it's interesting, too, 
that um, we talked about supplication and we studied about deasis and proscune and the New Testament supplication where we're partnering with God. And that word, deasis, again, is an extension of deo, which is to bind. And to me, whenever you see that word, and it's not used that often for prayer, it's speaking about the burden that you have as someone who is partnering in supplication. And there's a difference between us praying in our petitions, things that we lay claim to and we're declaring because God has put it in our heart, not just because we heard somebody else preach it or, or because we, you know, we think in our mind this is the way it should be, or we were listening to Hannity the other day and he said this is what's happening and we should be declaring those things. You know, that's not what our petitions are. They are according to what God has given and, and, and what our assignment is. But when we're partnering with God in deasis, from that then comes the burden, which is what deo means. We're bound to that thing. It is ours. And there's a difference between the burden and us making these requests. There's a difference between those two things in the way you feel. They could be considering the same topic, but the burden of supplication is something that really is a binding influence through the power of the agape of God that holds you to that thing that you have partnered with God in. And you don't want to be free from that. In fact, that's the strength you have. And that's how when you go and you first bind the strong man, or you bind whatever you see on earth and it is bound in heaven, that's the strength of it. It's not you just running around because you read a scripture and you think you've got power and you're binding, you're doing drive-by bindings and you're doing all these things. That binding is only as strong as your partnership and supplication because that's the harmony of how that word is used. So that's a bedrock of what we are. And when you, when you understand that, you understand all the scriptures wherein that word is used. But when you come to what Jesus is talking about in, in that partnership with the Father where you are you, on the basis of, of what, your, um, what your assignment is, you're getting specifics from him. And, and they are from him. And it's the chain of command when, when you're praying those things, this is what Jesus says. We're we are not told that we can eroteo with the Father. We, we are not equal to the Father. We may be joint heirs with Christ, but we're in that sonship role where we're representing under the anointing what he's given us. So we're not told that we anywhere that we can eroteo with the Father. Jesus is doing that. Jesus is doing that. But we are given that privilege of aiteo. We're given that privilege of being able to ask that we receive and our joy is full. And we remember those petitions. We don't let them fly by the wayside. You know, sometimes when people pray, they, if they pray something on Monday, then Wednesday they pray the same thing like they'd forgotten about it already, that they'd already had this discussion, and they think God's forgotten about it, so they've got to remind him. And, you know... And what about the passage says, remind, remind me? Well, that's more God saying, okay, when you come before me, you tell me the things that we've talked about because it's important that you know you're taking a stand. I've given you the authority. You are representing me. 
It's interesting when God says something like that because so many times in the scripture you see angels asking questions or you see God asking questions and it's not because he doesn't know the answer and it's not because he, he just likes hearing it re repeated. He just wants to know how much you believe. He wants to know how much you recall. He wants to know how much you are really standing on that partnership because he's given you the authority. So I think this is very interesting what Jesus has said here. And it's, 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 um, it's an amazing thing to see this all laid out. And again, the, the Spirit of the Lord is the one that chose these threads of understanding. And those words are used for specific reasons in how we walk with God. So we really need, and we're going to, believe me, I'm giving you forewarning, in the next couple months, we're going to be revisiting a lot of things that we've studied over the years, and we're going to be putting them in position in the, the flow pattern of what God is doing, because we need to know this if we're going to represent him. And further, it helps us to understand what the scripture is truly saying. You know, otherwise you read this, and Jesus said, you know what? You're not going to ask anything from me, you know. And people think, well, what does that mean? I thought he was up there praying for my parking spot. You know, I thought that's what he was praying. But when you look and you see, this is what he's saying. I'm going to the Father. I'm going to be talking to him about, as the great intercession, about his will being done and what you need to be doing. And I'm going to be praying that you will take a strong stand in the place that you are planted. I'm not going to be asking him that you're removed from that, but that you will overcome in it. That's what Jesus is praying. And he's saying, okay, well, what you need to be doing is you need to be talking directly to the Father because you are partnering, you are supposed to be partnering with him. And as he reveals what he wants to do, you ask that. And this is because he loves you. And this is because he's given you that privilege. And there's a big difference between those two words. And guess what? Jesus is the one who was saying them. Jesus is the one who was teaching these. And if we don't understand those concepts, how in the world do we know what he's saying? You know what I mean? Hallelujah. Now this just, as I was looking at this, and I felt strongly led to bring this before you today, I was reminded of something that we shared many years ago. And it's the whole concept of ask of me in the Old Testament. And the Sha'al. And we studied on it, wrote about it. It's a good theme, but guess what? It fits perfectly with this, this concept that we've been talking about. Particularly, let's look at one that's a real famous one. It's Isaiah 45, verse 11. And this one says, Thus says the Lord, Yahweh, the Holy One of Israel, and his maker, Israel's maker, Ask me, Sha'al, the things to come concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands, command me. Now, the first thing is Sha'al. That, that is the kingly authority. That was the privilege of kings. And it, it really indicated the intimate relationship you have with God. And I've talked about how that, that word 
really found a transliteration into our society to where you can even talk about the shawl, uh, about how it's upon someone's shoulders. And it, it represented who you are before God. Dare we say it could represent the mantle that God gives us. But it, it is a kingly authority, and from that, we walk in relationship with God. It's commune with God. You know that this sha'al was really an under, not an undergarment, but a garment that you wore, that perhaps you wore around your home. Um, you didn't necessarily reveal this in public. It was something that was like a, uh, like a, I don't want to call it a t-shirt. I don't want to become that loose with it. But if you were intimate or you were in the home with someone, you might see them wear that, and they were known by that. And I'm just touching on this teaching, but that's how you ask concerning sons. And, but then when you command according to what his hands are doing, that word, Hebrew word sawah or savah means that you are participating in an authority structure or in a structure of a family. And you are then communicating what the agenda is. You're communicating what the, the, the head of the house is wanting to have done. And you are partnering with the work of the hands, the family business. And it's not like you're off doing whatever you wanted to do like the prodigal did. But you are parroting. You are declaring the things that the family has agreed upon that comes from the top and it's the work of the hands. So to me, this works perfectly with what Jesus is saying in this passage in the middle of John. Different words, but same concept. You are before the Father. You are precious to him. He loves you. You need to begin to hear from him from that point of relationship, and you need to be making declaration in accordance with what he wants to do. That is your petition. And, of course, then the, the diasis and the prosuke, which is supplication and prayer, that's more of how you set in motion that partnership. You have committed yourself to God. It's the base of your authority. You are gaining his perspective. You are gaining what he's wanting to do. And he, bit by bit, tells you things that then becomes your perspective. And it becomes the basis by which you view things and what you expect to happen, what you prophetically are looking forward to see revealed. That's a wonderful thing. And through that, we make our declaration. But when it comes to the actual specifics of praying, and, and you, you are hearing from God, and you are then making your request. You are, you are speaking forth what you know wants, he wants to do. And you're sure of these things. You're not taking shots in the dark because the Father loves you. And, and Jesus is saying, look, I'm giving you, I'm redeeming you to the Father, so don't be directing your iteo toward me. You ask the Father in my name in conjunction with what I've laid before you. And this is important for us to see. And we need to begin to trust this. We need to begin to trust this is what he laid in motion for all of us. 
This is Jesus' parting words, as it were. And we need to, we need to glean this and know that this is what he means. And he's really emphasizing it a lot right now. So what is Jesus praying? Well, he's praying for the will of the Father to be done through you. And he's also talking to Father about the things that are happening in the world. He is not praying for the world. That's what we just read. He's not. But he's praying for you who are in the world, that you will stand strong. Does Jesus not love the world? Well, he's already shown that he loves the world. But, you know, see here again, that's just one of those heathen ideas or Catholicized ideas or that, that says right now, you know, God loves everybody. He sent his son to die on his cross, and he loves everybody. So how could he send anybody to hell? There isn't a hell anyway. And how could he be judging anybody? He just lets anybody do what they want to do, and it's just all happy-dappy, and we're all just going to go on through Buddhist heaven, and we're just going to be up there with him. That is not what the scripture says. Jesus loved the world. And he loves, he wants everybody to come to him, but he's the only way. And when you know him, you're redeemed to the Father. He's not then your step and fetch it where you just got a bunch of scriptures and presto changeo, like you, you, you rub the Bible two or three times and up pops Jesus and you tell him what you want him to do. That is not what he does, is it? No way. You never see that episode on the Twilight Zone. But it's, uh, it's not what Jesus does. He wants us to know the Father. When we're born again, we come to him, and then we should be praying in conjunction with that partnership. You know, it's, it's funny how you process this, and I meditate on this. And there's, there's, a, there's a power and a confidence in this. And for years and years, even in the general church and pastoring in the general church, I always thought the party line, you know, you just, get your scriptures together like an attorney and you rat-tat-tat them out there and, you know, you're laying your case out and you're convincing God to do what you want him to do because he's promised, by the way. But then we've come into the, the, the understanding of the scriptures that says, your father knows what you have need of before you ask. And you seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and he'll add all these things to you. There's a lot of things that my mind, my mind, you know, Paul the Apostle said, your mind is always going to be at enmity with the things of the Spirit, and your mind is going to be thinking a lot of things, and you think, why am I thinking that? And there's a war going on in there. We all have to deal with that. We just will. If we say we're perfect, we lie. We sin. And so God is always perfecting us. And there are things that he's always, uh, especially in this past season when the enemy's trying to pinpoint every kind of injustice and every kind of way people have done you wrong and it just tries, tries to flare it up, you know. He's got this unique solution that he pours on and it just comes to life. You're always coming, asking God, Lord, cleanse that from me. See if there be any wicked way. I don't want it in me. Yes, we're born again. I'm not saying that we're in danger of hellfire. That's not what I'm saying. We are born again. But to serve the Lord, it's, it's a war. And we, we have to make sure that we, that, we remain, that we remain clean so that we can partner with God. But, you know, there are times where my mind comes and 
I think of all kinds of things that I want to have happen. You probably do too. Man, I, I could counsel God real well in the next few minutes. You know, I think it'd be great if Robert and I won the lottery. You know, wouldn't that be great? And what could we do with all that money? We could finance the end time kingdom. You know, I can ask God for that. Give that to me, Father. You know, there's all kinds of things that your mind thinks. And you think, boy, that would be easy street if we had that going on, or, or any number of things. And I have to lay that aside, because what is that really? It'd be great to have that. See, you say that, everybody starts thinking about it. And, um, but, but then again, I've seen the Father over and over again just provide. It's wonderful the way he provides. And he just gives it to you. And there are some times that he will earmark, okay, I want you to lay claim to this. And it, when the answer comes, it may not be in the way you're envisioning, but the answer's coming because I'm putting it in your heart. It's time for this. We've all faced that. And sometimes it's a difficult thing to separate between that process when God is saying, okay, it's time to ask for this. It's time for you to declare, or this is coming. And that other nonsense that our mind just like gets on steroids and off it goes. Oh, I've got all kinds of solutions for this nation. You know, sometimes I hear things, and, and Mark was talking about this in Sunday school, and, you know, not, not about me hearing things, but, you know, about things in the world. And I, I could give God four or five solutions right now that would fix this country up, boom, just like that. I'm sure you've got thoughts in that way, too. But God didn't ask my opinion. And instead, he says, I want you to do this. I'm going to work all this out. But you ask and you declare what I'm telling you. And that is one of the biggest challenges for an intercessor. When God has given you responsibility and he's given you authority to really hear what God is saying and to fine tune and hone that still small voice. Because your mind can be real loud. Your emotions can egg your mind on. And boy, there's a lot of times that I've asked God for things and been really upset that they never came. But I was kind of asking, as James said, he says, you ask amiss. Can somebody ask amiss? I thought, whatever we ask, we have. Well, we better take a good look at what that word is. <laughs> ask and you shall receive that joy may be full. It's aiteo. You ask in an alignment with the ways of God in accordance with the perspective of his joy, which is fulfilling the ways of God. That is a tremendous thing. Oh, you know, here's another thing. A lot of times my mind wants to ask for things that get me out of situations that will just absolutely clean me away from the mess that I'm supposed to be overcoming. You know, it's like playing a baseball game. You know, I don't, I don't want to just get on base and move the runner up and then score a couple of runs. I just want a couple of grand slams. Let's just get it over with. And, um, yeah, but, but Jesus says, you know, I'm not praying for you that way. I am not praying that you come out, that you're taken out of the world. He says it. I'm asking that you will 
gain whatever you need to gain so that my purpose will be done there. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to protect you. But in that, in that place, you, you've got two voices in you. There may be other voices trying to get in there, but you've really got two voices. You've got the voice of what your mind and what you as a person might think, and then you've got the voice of the Lord that is trying to speak to you so you can lay claim to that. And I'm telling you, it's just like iniquity. Sometimes iniquity can seem like your best friend, your defender, the one that understands you in a way that nobody else does. And, you know, so it's difficult sometimes when you give place, when you give a mouthpiece to iniquity to really know, hey, hear what that voice is saying? Don't remember any of that because that's a bunch of malarkey. Don't listen to it. Oh, but it felt so good when I was thinking it, you know? It just made so much sense because nobody really knows the trouble I've seen. That voice really knew it. Sometimes it's hard to separate the voice of righteous thought from the voice of iniquity because it kind of broadcasts on the same wavelength because iniquity is twisted purpose. So the voice of purpose can very much sound a lot like what iniquity will say, defending you, helping to bring your cause out, you know, because you think God's not listening. But on the other hand, you've got this same issue. What is my mind and my natural? There's a way that seems right unto men, but the way thereof is destruction. Lean not to your own understanding. My own understanding can be very methodical. It can be very meticulous. I can lay it all out there. But I've got to learn that even though that may be pragmatic and it may be logical, it probably might not be what God, how's that for a definitive? Probably might not be. It might probably not what God's doing. God will say something, and that's what I declare, and that's what I lay claim to. And that, when you, when you see, hear this, when you hone that process down, then when you are speaking prophetically, you're not prophesying from a soulish thing. You know, you can prophesy lots of stuff from the emotional level. And you can perceive things in people from your seer's giftings, and you can get in there and work it to where they're reacting and they're responding, and, you know, I'm sure they're feeling good about it, but the real word from the Lord may not be coming. You may be getting a response, but you may not be speaking what God is really saying. So what do you want, a response or what God is saying? So many times what God is saying doesn't bring an immediate response, but by and by it comes. How many times was God speaking to Elijah up at the top of that mountain? And Elijah kept talking emotions. He kept talking his iniquities. He kept talking all these other things. And God just keeps reiterating his word. Elijah wasn't hearing it. Even after God had him wrap his mantle around his head and spoke in the still small voice and on all that wonderful story, Elijah still wasn't hearing it. So we as prophets and we as intercessors, we as sons, need to really hone the ability to know what God is saying and let that be our perspective and our declaration because it may not be in alignment with what we logically have deduced or what the common speech is of everybody else or what our emotions are saying. So I think that that is really where God is trying to take us in these months. And boy, do we need it, don't we? My goodness. 
Every day, there are so many things pulling at you, make you want to believe this, make you want to feel this, make you want to fear that. And then, then, then you start, and you start talking, and you think, and you, and oh boy, oh boy, we have to know the voice of the Lord, and we have to know what thus says the Lord is, and we have to know our Father, that's most importantly, and we need to know what we're to be declaring, and when we need to not declare anything. You know? That's, that's a big lesson, too. If you don't know what God's saying to declare, don't declare anything. <laughs> you may have to pronounce crop failure on a lot of those declarations. And you don't want to be messing around with that. You want your yay to be yay and your nay to be nay. You want to hit the mark. You don't want to shoot 15 arrows hoping that you, get, you might hit, hit with that that's scud missile prayer. And that, that didn't work for Iraq, and it's not going to work for us we got to be right on, don't we? So that's really where God is trying to take us, and he is taking us. But it's because of our partnership with him, and it's because of where we are in him and what we're to be in him. So this difference between Aiteo and, and Eretau is, is really important because it's what Jesus uses over and over again through that red section in the middle of John. And if you really want to know what he's saying, and not just throwing in your own interpretation of what prayer is, uh, because if you do that, you can come up with anything. It's like a math equation. If, if, you, have, if you have a faulty uh, understanding of what a factor is, your answers are always going to be wrong, even though the equation and the question is right. So you want to make sure that you, you, you know what the answer is. You want to make sure you understand what these words mean so that then you can understand what Jesus is saying and what he's doing today. So I wrap it up and end it by this. You are precious to the Heavenly Father. Jesus is heavily invested in you knowing the Father. And he is praying that you will triumph in your terio. And he is praying that you will fulfill the will of the Father. But you asking the Father is something that Jesus says you have to do. It's none of, none of this Jesus take the wheel. You have to do it. Okay? You have to do it. And this is what God wants. And it's what you're called to be doing right now. Listen, in these days... It's the, the atmosphere is ripe for this kind of partnership. Sin is abounding. God's grace is much more abounding. And so um, I encourage you to embrace that role of partnership and sonship. Don't forget to pray every day. You know, look, there are a lot of influences trying to keep you from doing that. You get tired. You, you got a lot of stuff to do. You know, your family. But the most important thing you need to be doing is praying. And, you know, it's like that old commercial for Wolf Brand Chili. How long has it been since you had a big steaming bowl, steaming bowl of Wolf Brand Chili? That's too long. Anybody remember that commercial? I... I that's probably real big over in Togo. 
but <laughs> well, we need to be asking ourselves, how long has it been since you've really spent time praying in diversities of tongues and communing with the Father? <laughs> I can tell you this, even, even it's precious. This is not work. This is, this is precious communion with the Lord, but no matter how much I do, I feel like there's always the need for more. And it's not the old proverbial, you know, I love you more. You know, there's always more of him. I know that. But my responsibility and what the needs are at the throne of grace, it's, it's almost like what our, we went in warp speed trying to develop this vaccine, you know, warp speed. Um, all of these different groups are doing it because they're good Americans, and they're not really interested in the millions of dollars they're going to make on it, but they're, they're really going after it. Um, what God is needing from us as his saints at his throne in this season is, is vacuous. It is so big, and when you offer before the Lord, you find that sense of fulfillment, and you come away no matter how much time you spend feeling there, there needs to be more. There needs to be more. So don't, don't forsake that time before him um, because it's necessary for you, but it's, it's absolutely necessary for the kingdom. But this is what Jesus said, and he is, he is praying that we'll accomplish what God has asked, but we have been given the privilege of being able to speak into that chain of command and to gain the authority of our Father and to speak it forth. And that is what a true prophet is. And that is what is going to be at the, at the, at the head of the armies of God in the days that are ahead, the saints and the prophets. And that's what we must be. Heavenly Father, I speak this blessing over every one of the saints. Everyone in this house and everyone who is joining together with us across the many miles. Lord, I pray that you would cause all of us to take very seriously what it is that you have said in your word and what you're appealing for us to be and to do even now. I declare a spirit of an anointing for intercession to be released in, in new ways upon your people and an anointing for this new season, an anointing for us to do the new things that you, have, um, that you have asked for us to do. And Father, I, I just thank you for this. Um, I, I pray that, uh, that we will each have incredible encounters with you to where we can serve you in dynamic ways in this week. And I end this prayer, Father, by asking you again to continue to release your miracle power into your people and set your people free in their physical bodies and in every other way where they need your delivering power. But Lord, help us to be free to serve you. And thank you for this privilege. We love you. And, and I pronounce a blessing over this congregation and over the family of the saints. And I do so in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.
Well, thank you, everybody. Um, I didn't think I preached that long, but it's quarter to quarter to one almost. <laughs> so, God bless you. Thanks for being here. It's so good to see everybody, and um, keep walking in Him.